0: Dissecting Dexter is brought to you by audible.com. For your free audiobook download and free trial, go to www.audibletrial.com/dexter. Hello and welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, coming to you as always from the, or nearly always, from the mobile studio deep in the heart of a very sunny, rural North Yorkshire, England, where I'm back from a week's holiday. Did you notice? (laughs) Uh, The podcast kept going, of course, and my thanks again go to Travis for doing such a great job once again, stepping into my very small shoes and producing a podcast in my absence. Travis, mate, you did a great job and I can't thank you enough. Um, the only disappointing thing is, is that the bloody mail forwarding didn't work and I think that was probably my fault. I, I had it set up, but I hadn't quite checked the enable button. Um, so apologies to anybody who emailed in and uh, that there were one or two voicemails as well last week uh, that obviously failed to get to Travis. Uh, but I'm glad you were able to salvage it through the facebook page and still get some stuff to talk about that was good um and that wrap mate you have some creative talent there <laughs> that was a great surprise when i was listening to the show <laughs> um, yeah well done so thanks again mate and uh, i hope everybody enjoyed it um know, yeah, it's nice to have a a change of pace i know you guys get get used to my style if you can call it style well it's a style of sorts <laughs> my sort of waffly nature um you know i do my best <laughs> uh, but yeah it's nice to have uh, a change of pace i think from time to time and uh travis did a great job so a week away for me with the family as travis told you i went camping uh we went to the western lake district where we went before uh, at the end of june we had a week away i did uh, refer to it um a few podcasts ago when we went to um when we went camping um fisher Ground farm was the name of the campsite it's on the internet if you want to look it up it's a great site and as i alluded to before it's a rarity amongst english campsites in that they allow campfires uh, i had some feedback from uh, DJ Chow, <laughs> uh, also known as Deanna in <laughs> Alberta, Canada, um, and, and she was quite surprised, or very surprised, that um, campfires are the rarity here in England. Um, and what can I say? Um, you guys in North America, and, and probably in most of the world, <laughs> you're lucky uh, that you're able, that you're free to have campfires. I don't know if it's down to space you just got more space to um to have campfires whether there's a lot more wild camping that goes on where you just just go out into the uh, out into the countryside and and just pitch your tent wherever you want and who's there to stop you having a campfire i, I don't know what the deal is there or whether you have these um campsites with uh you know with essentially a hedge around the outside um you know, here in the UK, obviously it's a much smaller area, and we don't have um, the same space for all uh, uh, the same space that that you guys do in North America and, and so many other places. Um, yeah, so I, I, I don't know. Health and safety, worried about wildfires. I mean, wildfires are a, a dangerous a danger all over the world. So there we are. These are the rules here, and um, the campsite we went to, they have. Uh, Uh, wheel rims old wheel rims that they've cemented into the ground and we have the campfires in there Uh, there are strict rules not to build your campfires anywhere else so it is there are rules uh, associated with the fires um but it makes such a difference to the camping experience um And last week it it was quite cool in the evening. I I talked last time about the hot weather we'd been having. It was still nice last week and it's still sunny today, but um, the temperature has dropped a little bit. Uh, Not too much, it was still just right for getting out and doing stuff. Um, But the campfire was much appreciated in the evening, just uh, saving you the need of of getting wrapped up in... um, fleeces and blankets and things because it is nice to sit outside for well into the evening when you're camping isn't it and we did have a few beers we had a little stream that ran just past behind where our tent was and, and we put our beers in there and, and keep them cool so a really great week oh we did some uh swimming in a, in a mountain river we walked up this valley uh, and not a soul to be seen unless you count sheep um, and we found a spot where uh, the river got a little bit deeper, and and there were some pools where you could swim. Um, and it wasn't too cold. It was it was nice to get in, really refreshing. It was a, a sunny day, and uh, we, we all stripped down to our swimming <laughs> our swimming costumes and and got in. Really great. I could have sat in those waters all afternoon. <laughs> I'd have probably shrilled up like a prune. Um, now that would have been a sight. OK, so, yeah, that was my week. Um, Travis, I hope your sunburns clean, uh, cleared up. <laughs> um, it, it was funny listening to you, you talking about your visit to Disneyland and getting sunburnt. Um, I got a little bit singed myself, and I do try to be pretty good with covering my exposed parts with um, sun cream. We have the spray-on stuff that, that's much nicer than the horrible, greasy gloopy stuff you, you usually get um and it seems to go on better on the kids as well cuz they hate getting all sticky <laughs> oh dear any parents out there will probably know the pain of trying to get your kids to put on sun cream <laughs> or not unless if you if you're really lucky so i did get a little bit singed on the back of my neck and around my ankles just the usual sort of spots you might forget okay so that was my week um what else have I got to talk about in this section? Oh, yeah, bloody hell. <laughs> Anyone who's been on the Facebook page will already know this. Um, I put on Twitter, and I did put on the Facebook page before I went on holiday, uh, a major, major, major spoiler warning. Uh, I had a tip off um, from a listener. Oh, God, I should have written down his name to say thank you. <laughs> I can't even remember the website. Oh, spoiler TV, was it? Oh, dude, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, Complete mental blockage there. But the warning was that there are photos out there that were taken on set during the filming of the finale, the series finale, and apparently these photos are very incriminating. They're unofficial photos. Um, And they depict major spoilers for the finale, the series end. This show we've been watching for eight years. Uh, And just a warning to be careful, so I shared this on Facebook and on Twitter. That's it. That's the other thing. Uh, Just to say, be careful, guys. And then, bugger me, if while I was away last week, one of the bits of feedback that came in, Uh, I I found this when I was going through, when I got back from holiday and I heard Travis say that there was a problem with the mail forwarding. uh, I thought I'll have a look. And I just went through some of the feedback that that did come in. There wasn't a massive amount, to be fair. Um, But I I was looking to see if there were any voicemails and I saw there was this particular email with an attachment. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? (laughs) Cut to the punchline. I thought it was a voicemail, so I I'll scroll down and have a listen to it. So I scrolled down and, holy shit, there was, uh, there was at least one photo attachment. Um, I very quickly realised what it was and scrolled off it, so I glimpsed one of them. I won't go into any details as to the contents, except that on its own, I didn't see enough um, in that brief flash to really give anything away um but unfortunately prior to looking at the photos photo um i'd read some of this person's email now i'm not going to name and shame them (laughs) because the the wording of the email didn't suggest that these were sent maliciously um so i'm not out for blood or anything um so if you're listening uh you know (laughs) don't worry i'm not wanting your head on a spike or anything like that I won't be sending Dexter around with uh, the shrink wrap. (laughs) Um, (coughs) Excuse me, choking. Uh, But the email um, had a theory that was directly related to the photos. So, um, together, (laughs) I hope I've not been spoiled for the finale. Um, I will say this. um, I've made no secret of the fact that this is a spoiler-free podcast... Uh, and I've made no secret of the fact that, as a podcaster, and as a f- oh, first and foremost as a fan of the show, I don't want to be spoiled. I want to be surprised as much as you guys. And, to be fair, I've probably been lucky that I've done this podcast for so long and no one has sent me, maliciously, any major spoilers. Um, I would have liked this person if they... If we could rewind the clock, <laughs> uh, if they'd put a warning in the subject and said, you know, read, um, if, if you don't mind being spoiled, you know, open, <laughs> otherwise <laughs> delete, um, and just given me the chance to have a choice as to whether I wanted to look or not. Um, and honestly, I wouldn't have done because I don't want to be spoiled. I've watched this show like you guys for eight years, I've podcasted about it for three years, three and a half years. I don't want to be spoiled. And honestly, I'm fucking gutted (laughs) that I might have been spoiled for the finale of this show that I love. Um, I'll say no more about it. (laughs) I've spoken for two or three minutes already, so I'm sure that's enough. You get the gist. Um, So anybody who um, might be thinking of sending something in, even in good faith, that might be spoilerish, just put something in the subject or something at the top of the email. Just give me a chance um, to exercise caution, uh, that that would be great. Thanks very much, guys. I certainly don't want to deter anybody from sending in genuine feedback. I wouldn't, because you know, you know me. I love getting your feedback, and I go through everything and I put it all out here on the podcast. Um, so uh, don't be put off from emailing in. If if unsure, just put something at the top, um, you know, semi spoiler or something like that. Um, certainly this is the first time this has ever happened, so anybody who sent in feedback before and is now thinking, oh shit, should I, did I step over the line there? No one's ever done this before, so don't worry. <laughs> right, that's it, that's enough. Uh, 12 minute intro, bloody hell, sorry guys. Um, let's dive into episode 5, shall we? Season 8, episode 5, This Little Piggy. Original air date, the 28th of July, 2013. Written by Scott Reynolds, host of the Dexter Wrap Up podcast, and producer of the show, and long-standing writer as well since season one. Directed by Romeo Tyrone, who was uh, long the uh, director of photography for the show, and you may have noticed one or two visual flourishes uh, during this week's episode. One was a a tracking shot going from Batista talking to Miller, tracking down the corridor to um, move on to a bit of dialogue between Matthews and and Quinn at the elevator, that, that was one that, uh, and a style of shot that I don't think I've seen on Dexter before that was a really nice sort of transition from one bit of dialogue to another uh, between different characters uh, so Romeo Toro, now very heavily involved in True Blood let's dive into the review here we go <laughs> overarching theme of this week's episode couldn't have been more obvious, could it? Family is something that's often been more of a hindrance to Dexter than anything else, although we have seen him enjoying family time on occasion. But over the seasons, he's realised the value of what he has, increasingly so. Although he always valued his relationship with Deb, even if he's not always admitted it to us. And Harrison, I'm sure... Dexter would do anything for him too but the opening scene of this episode did make me smile the set up with Deb and Dex on chairs facing Vogel across the room made me think of a marriage guidance session <laughs> counselling but it's a really good scene with some unique emotions being displayed by Dexter he's really really hurt, deeply hurt and he's really really pissed off about it and who can blame him? He's bent over backwards to help Deb. All right, his help has been a little misguided at times, and unwanted at times, but. All right, unwanted most of the time. <laughs> all right, unwanted all the time uh, this season. But from Dexter's perspective, he'd do anything for Deb, and this is how she repays him she tries to commit murder suicide he's feeling incredibly hurt and struggles to understand what the hell she was thinking. The writers have talked about the crash last week being Deb hitting rock bottom. It's something I'd said she needed to do still, before she could ever hope to start recovering. She did what she did and immediately began the path to recovery by promptly saving Dexter, proving Vogel's point that whatever happens, she'll always choose him. The suggestion was that if Deb could live that moment in the container again, she'd do the same thing and shoot Laguerta to save her brother. It shows how incredibly close and tight their bond really is. They'd die for each other, I'm sure of it. Yet here they are, Deb now with a slightly fresh perspective, following what was probably an epiphany by the lake. And she's so calm and measured in this scene Such a shift from the Deb we've seen previously this season. But Dexter, on the other hand, is really rattled, showing genuine hurt and anger unlike anything we've seen from him before. We've seen him angry, as uh, in, in dark passenger mode, plenty of times. But this is Dexter, the human being, reacting with the sort of hurt and emotion that any normal person would. I found it interesting that Vogel mentioned Dexter's hurt and anger, but not how it doesn't fit with her psychopath template. She's pulled him up for all kinds of things this season that don't fit and tried to account for them, even be sort of dismissive of them in a way. Dexter's even sarcastic in this scene. I'm not sure he's ever really done sarcasm before. And he has a strap. He has a strop. He gets up and flounces out of the house. I'll go catch a serial killer. That's all I'm good for. If he'd had a teddy, he'd have thrown it in the corner. (laughs) If he'd had a dummy, he'd have chucked it out of his pram. (laughs) All right, I know I'm being a bit unfair to him. He's got every right to feel aggrieved and hurt. You would be, wouldn't you? But I did find his little strop amusing. And he goes on to muse how annoying family can be and we see Harrison pestering him while Jamie pesters him about a dinner with the neighbour, Cassie, while Dexter's trying to focus on where A.J. Yates could be. Actually, looking at the boy who plays Harrison here, I do think they've done a good casting job with a child who looks like he could be the child of Dexter and Rita. There is a likeness there, isn't there? But Dexter gets all irritated at a mithering child, someone else trying to talk to him about something he doesn't want to be bothered with, while trying to focus on something entirely different, something of greater importance. It's family life. Lots of things can happen at once, and okay, we do, don't we? We do get annoyed and flustered by it, but at the end of the day, we still love our family, don't we? It's just life. And the theme comes around by the end of the episode with that moment on the boat, when, despite everything, Dexter realises he needs his family and recognises that at certain times, you just need them there to be close to them. But we'll get, that, we'll, we'll get to that scene in a bit. So, after this, we have an inversion of Dexter trying to get through to Deb for those first couple of episodes. Now, she's trying to ring him, <laughs> She's had her awakening and wants to talk about it. Their story this episode progresses in a way that I really enjoyed, facilitated by the abduction of Vogel from her home. And that scene she put on a record, and it's the same song that was played in Every Silver Lining, Cass Elliot singing Make Your Own Kind of Music. Interestingly, this is the title of an episode later this season, too. Clearly, there's got to be something in this song that resonates with the season, so I looked up the lyrics. Now, this isn't a spoiler because the the song's in there, (laughs) and we're just extrapolating from their repeated use of the song, and then the song title later in the season. There are lines in this song like, make your own kind of music even if nobody else sings along. You're going to be knowing the loneliest kind of lonely. It may be rough going, just do your things The hardest thing to do. It makes me wonder if Dexter will end up on his own at the end. Maybe he'll survive but have to go his own way, surrendered to what he is. Not Vogel's idea of what a psychopath is. He'll know he's individual, unique, and no one can change him or tell him who he is or what he should be. I wonder if the song will play again at the end of the finale. But the fact that this is the second time this season we've heard this song, and Dexter's not the kind of show that uses music like this, plus the episode title later on, makes me feel sure there's something in this. No spoilers, but what do you guys think about this? Anyway, Vogel gets abducted by Yates. Did anyone else jump when he smashed the window? (laughs) I had to peel my wife off the ceiling. (laughs) At the same time as this, Miami PD were digging up Yates' garden and finding his other victims. Oh yes, I didn't mention the girl Dexter saved last week, that she woke up and identified him. It was a good scene in the garden with the rose bushes, the open graves and the decomposed bodies, well staged by the production team I thought. Then Deb turns up and she and Dex team up to look for Vogel but the air still needs clearing.
1: Why didn't you save me? Why didn't you let me drown?
2: I saw the car going underwater. And I knew you were going to die.
3: I couldn't imagine my life without you in it.
0: Neb's determined to go with Dexter to find Vogel, and what a dynamic duo they end up making. But, excuse me, I I like their little exchange here. Dexter nodding his approval and implied agreement with her responses, like he feels the same way, he just doesn't say it out loud. But I think they understand each other. Dexter must surely empathise with her to an extent. But they both agree that they need each other in their lives. Meanwhile, we see Vogel under duress with Yates, who clearly doesn't know who Dexter is, which helps convince me that he's not the brain surgeon. The brain surgeon has been watching Vogel. That seems clear. He's surely seen Dexter going in and out of our house. He's surely seen Deb. He might have seen Vogel talking to Dexter out and about somewhere. Chances are he saw Dexter at Sussman's cabin he sent Vogel those his-and-hers boxes. We presume one for her and one for Dex. Then, when Dexter went to Yates' house, he found those shoe trophies. We saw Yates' victims are all women. He breaks their toes. He's got a very clear niche M.O. He's got a complex about his abusive mother. Nothing in what we know about him suggests he's the brain surgeon. The only thing is the scar in his head, which is accounted for by Vogel finding lesions on his brain, which were operated on. I feel that this is a coincidence. Why would a psychopath serial killer have two distinctly different and separate MOs running parallel? It doesn't make sense to to say he's maybe schizophrenic. I don't suppose we'll find out now. But I don't think that's likely. I don't buy that. I can only suggest that those items Dexter found in Yates' place were planted there. Those things he found last week. I do, however, wonder why Dexter, knowing serial killers as intimately as he does, why he was so ready to accept Yates as the brain surgeon last week when he found all that stuff when all the other evidence pointed to Yates being a serial killer with an entirely different motivation, an M.O.? Is Dexter falling foul of a very human failing, when we are sometimes too quick to accept an explanation, when evidence suggests something else? But to get back to the action, I liked Vogel's panic mixed with her desperately trying to remain calm and reason with Yates. But when he started examining her toes... Oh, <laughs> my own toes started curling. Didn't she do well, though, when she tried that different tack of scolding him and slapping him in a an abusive mother kind of way? Obviously, she has intimate knowledge of Yates' upbringing from her early sessions with him, so she knows what his mother did. Charlotte Rampling's performance was great there. False confidence... But her lip quivering with nerves her expression still betraying the fact that she was frightened out of her wits but hoping this would work
1: albert stop it
3: don't call me that only my mother called me that
0: stop that albert now no don't you talk back to me little shit
2: i'm not afraid of you
0: all you ever do is disappoint me (sighs) When she blooded his mouth, it gave her the opportunity to be very smart and call Dexter, leaving the line open so he might be able to trace it. Deb used Elway to trace the call. I don't know if that will come back to bite them, but I did enjoy the sequence when they got to the house. Working as a well-oiled team, checking room by room, Deb with gun drawn, Dexter with knife at the ready. Did anyone else see a future in them as a serial killer busting duo? (laughs) Not much time for that to happen now, of course, but it was a theory thrown around last season that they could team up and bust serial killers together. When they found Vogel, I wondered if she'd have a hole in her chest, like the girl in the cupboard last week. This was a great moment, though. Yates under the bed, knife poised, looking at Deb's ankles. I had a flashback to that moment when Herman Munster uh, in Pet Cemetery is um, sitting on the edge of the bed. I was cringing, cringing, waiting for the slash at the tendon, but Dexter got there first, and holy shit, did he ever get there first. (laughs) Pow! Curtain pole straight through the mattress into Yates. Good night, Vienna. (laughs) Deb just looks, and Vogel... She's just a doctor, yet were you as amazed as me that she didn't bat an eyelid? No, holy crap, Dexter! What the fuck was that, Dexter, you bloody psycho, just... Deb, are you alright? The sight of someone getting impaled on a curtain pole is all in a day's work for her, apparently. (laughs) If she doesn't have psychopathic tendencies herself, I'll be amazed. How detached was she there? So, (laughs) I cheered (laughs) at the curtain pole, and I was cheering at Deb's reply. I'm good, let's get this cleaned up and get out of here. (laughs) She's crossed that line. She's not a police officer anymore. She's accepted that she'll always put Dexter first. She's cool with this. They're tight, she and Dex. Terrific moment, and well done, Scott Reynolds, for writing it. Then Deb refers to them as the family that kills together. Vogel's talking to her, and, and we see Dexter just looking at her. They go back to the shot of him a couple of times, just looking at Deb, quietly, thinking. You can almost hear the the gears turning in his head he seems to look at her almost lovingly but maybe marvelling because maybe a sense of pride I don't know because he comments how resilient she is when Vogel says as much bouncing back from the hole she was in the hole he'd put her in the way they're talking it's like they're united again and that's a great thing No sloppy, huggy reunion. Just a look and a mutual understanding. Very appropriate for Dexter. Less so maybe for Deb. Deb of old, definitely. But she's changed now, isn't she? She's not a psycho, of course, but she's a shadow of who she used to be and, I don't know, dare I say, maybe stronger for it. Time will tell. I'll come back to Dexter in a minute uh, and that final scene, but I just want to touch on the other stuff from the episode. Congratulations to Quinn, having passed his sergeant's exam. He gets to lead the briefing about the Norma Rivera murder from last week. I wondered actually what that murder case would have to do with the wider arcs of the season. And at the moment, it just seems to be something for Quinn to be involved with to prove his worth. And I don't mind that. He's, he's been a good character so far this season. I know not everybody shares that feeling But I did big him up last time with his support for Deb. But we now seem to have a rivalry between Quinn and Miller, both vying for the sergeant's position. Miller getting the highest score in the test, but Batista wants Quinn. Then there's Matthews who's trying to influence things. He has a bee in his bonnet for Quinn and wants him to fail. And this week he was almost actively hampering the investigation, the bastard. (laughs) I suppose someone's got to be the antagonist in the department, haven't they? First, though, Quinn did a good job of leading the briefing. Very competent. They have a suspect to question, and Quinn takes Dexter to get a DNA sample. Honestly, I don't know how much to go into this (laughs) plotline. The case may be just by the by, just a vehicle for Quinn becoming sergeant over Miller. Or not, as it may turn out. But they go to see this guy, Ed Hamilton, who it turns out was having an affair with Norma Rivera. But more interesting was his son, who did make me laugh when he made his appearance, all broody teenager, hands in pockets, slouching, staring, all suspicious-like. I thought, oh, okay, the kid did it. Honestly, though, the moment annoyed me on second watch. That his entrance was so blatantly done, it was almost corny cliché. He even The boy even slagged off his dad to Dexter later, practically putting himself in the frame. Not sure why he'd do that. Naivety, perhaps. But that bit did irritate me a little. But like I said, Matthews did nothing to help the investigation. Someone obviously got to that witness, the, the kid or the dad maybe. I don't know, but it just makes Quinn's job harder so that when he does presumably solve the case, he'll get more credit.
1: I went to the church that night that you killed Travis Marshall to tell you that I'm in love with you. I know, it's weird and it's gross
3: and it's fucked up. This is the Dissecting Dexter podcast you're a serial killer and I'm more fucked up than you
0: are quick word about Cassie Dexter definitely felt ambushed when he came home and found Jamie, Quinn and Cassie there obviously he wasn't really paying much attention to what (laughs) Jamie was saying that morning and it all just got too much and he was just like yeah whatever (laughs) I liked how Cassie was quick to help Dexter get out of there that's the sort of girl he can use, someone who'll cover for him, but I don't know. I don't know if they'll actually hook up. I mean, like Travis said last week, they're both attractive people, but she's hardly the partner he needs long term. Maybe Cassie will end up being a foil for something else happening later on. A Masuka, The daughter thing last week came out of left field, and I do echo what Travis said about that scene. But I like the potential for something meaningful for him, even if it is at this late stage of the show. The seeds of doubt were planted this week that she might have made contact just to get something material from him, money perhaps. But I hope not. It'd be a cliché if that was to be the case, but for Masuka's sake, I'd like to see him happy at the end. (laughs) He deserves it for the laughs he's given us. I mean, come on. He deserves it for auto-erotic mummification, if nothing else. (laughs) I liked his scene with Deb when he went to see her for help. Nice to see him in a scene of straight personal drama. No goofing around. Just sort of honest and vulnerable. I hope the daughter doesn't get wind of Deb's investigation, though, or that'll sour their fledgling relationship. And it'd be another cliche of TV drama if she did. She seems sweet enough, though. So, let's get to the final season, on the final scene on the boat, I should say, which really resonated with me. Dexter there, dumping the body into the ocean, but rather than doing it alone, he's got Deb and Vogel with him. He muses how he's got his sister back, but not like before hints of the blood theme play in the background giving his words a darker meaning perhaps and I love the dialogue at the end
1: it's beautiful out here Dexter I like it it's peaceful alone on the water tonight you brought us thanks Why? I wanted to be with family.
0: He wants to be with family. So he's accepted Vogel as adopted family. Seems like it. She's certainly helped him and Deb reconcile. She helped Deb out of the void. He's always wanted a connection. Connection with someone with whom he can completely be himself. Someone who'll understand him, not judge him, not be afraid of him, accept him for who he is, not try to change him. And here he has it with two people, one of whom loves him more than life itself. You know, I think we can afford to be very happy for him right now. The only problem is that we're at episode five, and with seven more episodes to go, there's far too much time for things to go wrong, to go completely pear-shaped. But for now, he can be content, or dare I say it, happy. What do you bet Harrison meets his Auntie Evelyn next week? So, that's episode five. Not a completely solid episode. I didn't like the stuff with the Hamilton boy, but... I get that it's probably just there as a vehicle for Quinn and his attempted rise through the ranks. The strongest stuff for me was in the last few minutes, from Deb and Dex going through the house together to Dexter's family reference on the boat. Sadly, I'm sure the happy bus is bound to be run off the road at some point. It always is, isn't it? Just a matter of time. (laughs) It'll end in tears, I'm sure it will. Okay, let's go to your feedback.
3: Listener feedback.
0: Okay, firstly, a little bit of a hot topic that has come to light while I've been working on the podcast this week. Scott Buck, who, as I'm sure you know, is the executive producer, showrunner of Dexter, he's been given a new long-term deal by Showtime to stay on with Showtime after Dexter finishes, apparently to work on new projects. And at the same time, Showtime president David Nevins in an interview, has said that a Dexter spin-off is still a possibility. And he's made direct reference to Buck's New Deal and said basically, draw your own conclusions from that. Now obviously the inference there is very strongly that one of the projects Buck is being kept on to work, work on could be a Dexter spin-off. Now, this really has divided opinion And it's a controversial subject. I'm not entirely sure whether I'm completely for it or completely against it or somewhere in between. My first reaction I put on the Facebook page and I said that my opinion was that I felt they should close the book when season 8 finishes. And don't dilute the show's legacy, whatever that might turn out to be after the finale. And I just sort of threw it out there to see what what people thought. And very quickly there were several responses, and I'll just go through some of them. Steph Barnett said um, that they weren't interested, uh, unless it's a show about Vince Masuka's quest for love. <laughs> uh, Matt Battles said it would depend entirely on what a Dexter spin-off would entail. Would it turn out to be a show in which Vince Masuka is the main character and we find out all the crazy shit he's been getting up to, or will get up to? If it's just a show about Harrison or another serial killer doing Dexter-esque stuff, it would be like, yeah, we want to keep the show going, but Michael C. Hall didn't want to do it anymore, so we'll just give you this pale limitation and hope, to, hope to fuck you don't notice. Um... Chris Turnage said, "I guess it depends on how the show ends. I mean, if Dexter is still alive at the end of the season, then it would be kind of weird for him to be uh, to make a, a for him to make a pop-in appearance on another show. But if he dies and his storyline is completely over, then I could see a spin-off working because it would be able to follow a different path." Matt Cook said, "I agree that the book needs to be closed." Unfortunately, Dexter has never been a show that developed secondary characters as well as a show like Breaking Bad, so realistically there's not anyone who has presented a strong enough case for a spin-off. I haven't been potentially spoiled like you have, but I can't see a situation where there would be another show out of this one. David Campion said, A Touch of Quinn, referencing the uh, British show A Touch of Frost, I think. He says... Sergeant Quinn is an old-school, no-nonsense copper who believes in traditional policing methods. Assisted by several officers, including the ever-able Angie Miller, he uses what he knows about the street to find solutions to complex crimes as a member of Miami Metro. His home life is complex as he cares for his pet dog until her death and then leads a quiet bachelor's life with only the occasional attempt at a relationship with another woman. His daily nemesis, however, is the station's lieutenant, Angel Batista, who is constantly worrying about budgets and staffing levels and crime statistics. He doesn't appreciate Sergeant Quinn's rough and ready manner. (laughs) Obviously David being slightly ironic there, (laughs) but I like the idea. Matt Lamb says, Joseph Quinn, he doesn't play by the rules, but he gets the job done. (laughs) I pound the side of the mobile studio there, because he put SLAMS TABLE in brackets. Matt says he agrees with Matt Battles. Any sort of spin-off that involves some imitation of the Dexter character would show it's all about the money. No care for the Dexter universe. Maybe a regular crime show with a deeply disturbed Deb as a PI? Still wouldn't seem right, though. Scott Singleton said... Sorry I completely fouled up the pronunciation of your surname Not like it's a complicated one Shall I try again? (laughs) Scott Singleton says To me it's just TV They can spin off as much as they want As long as it's good Who cares? Don Matthews says How about Hannah as a spin-off? You know Travis would love it (laughs) Somewhere across the pond (laughs) Travis Shefflin just choked on his coffee Ashley Carano said Bring on the Sodaquist (laughs) spin-off I like that one Sandy Anderson said, No spin-off. Dexter itself has lasted too long, in my opinion. As much as I loved it, of course. Now, interestingly, the well-known TV critic Alan Sepinwall uh, actually echoed some of Matt Cook's comments. And he wrote on his blog and said this, The only surviving characters a great number of fans care deeply about are Dexter and Deb. I know a lot of fans don't particularly like Deb. The supporting characters have always been there to give Michael C. Hall a break in his workload, and neither Buck nor his show-running predecessors has been able to make any of them especially interesting, other than Masuka as occasional comic relief. So, unless the Dexter spin-off is, all about, is also about Dexter, maybe he wanders from town to town like a serial-killing version of David Banner or Richard Kimble, or else is the idea Hall joked about at Comic-Con with an adult Harrison being coached by a ghostly version of Dexter. How is this going to work? The show has introduced other interesting characters from time to time, like Frank Lundy or the Trinity Killer, but most of them are dead. Now, Walt makes very fair comments here, and I can't argue with him. However, the spin-off's writers would be focusing on whichever character featured in the spin-off, without the distraction of developing the main arc of Dexter's story there'd be more character development for Quinn, or whoever it is that features, in a season. Or rather, there'll be, more character... <laughs> there'll be more character development in a season than they've had in Dexter's entire run. And if the show was actually good, then we'd watch it, wouldn't we? That's the crux for me, and it's the no-brainer aspect to it, I think. If the show did end up being good... We'd not have many complaints, would we? I'd watch it. Not sure I'd podcast about it, necessarily, but I'd watch it. Moving on. On Twitter, I mentioned... uh, I threw out there a tweet with my initial reaction to this week's show. And I mentioned that I cheered when Dexter stuck Yates with the curtain pole. Amy Garrett 6 responded and said, I cheered mostly because it was a turning point. It was the first time that Deb seemed to really understand. Bob Grand said, I cheered more at Dex and Deb on the slice of life. I've been waiting for that the whole series. His faith said, uh, well, echoed my thoughts and said, oh my God, so did I. His best kill yet. Over to the emails now. Jacob Newman wrote in and said, welcome back, Gareth. This was another great episode with a lot of surprises. My thoughts are that Dr Vogel is a terrific psychiatrist who knows how to manipulate psychopaths. I was impressed with the way she talked to Yates and saved herself. The stage is set for one happy family. I'm glad that Dexter and Deb are back to normal. He's put normal in inverted commas though. Another thing that interested me in this episode was Deputy Chief Matthews ordering Quinn to stay away from the Hamilton son. There is definitely something very wrong with the boy. Angie Miller is very political and ambitious and is lobbying for promotion to sergeant. I want Quinn to become sergeant, but I think... That is how the writers want us to feel. I'm not convinced that Yates was the brain surgeon, but it looks like he was. I don't think that this storyline is over. I'm hoping for a major reveal, which will be very shocking and unexpected. Thanks, Jacob. Fair comments, although, as you all have already heard, I'm not on board with Yates being the brain surgeon. It makes no sense to me, and I agree with the storyline is not over. As for Miller... I'm sure she's ambitious, but whether she'll go so far as La Guerta and ends up treading on people to get ahead, I don't know. There's so little time to develop her now that I'm not sure if I even care. I hope Quinn gets the promotion. At least, I think I do. <laughs> he's paid his dues on the show and made an effort to be a better person, not to mention his support of Deb, so he gets... He's. Well, as you know, as I talked about last time I was on the podcast, uh, I give him a lot of credit for that. Through Facebook, I got a message from Michael Priesthoff in Indiana, who says, I know what Elway's giving Deb. I was watching an episode of Vice, and there is a drug called scopolamine. Scopolamine. It can be administered by dosing a drink or inhaling it. It causes short-term memory loss and loss of all inhibitions. Criminals dose a victim, then the victim will willingly do whatever the criminal commands and not remember any of it. The side effects include slight fever, possible hallucinations on high doses and death on higher doses. The CIA considered using scopolamine as a truth serum, but they claimed that it was too dangerous to use. I'm sure they still use it though. If you you think about it, a drug like this could be very useful to a private investigator. Anyway, I just wanted to make my prediction. Love the podcast. Get this shit out to your listeners. Not only for Dexter Predictions, but because this shit is terrifying. Never leave your drink unattended anywhere, but definitely not in South America. Deb said that by getting the jewellery, Elway will have made a fuckload of money, and that was only a percentage of what the jewellery is worth. I think Elway doesn't want to settle for a percentage. Thanks, Michael. Michael. Um, I'm sure you didn't mean to cast any aspersions over people in South America (laughs) before anyone emails in. Uh, But, I don't know, maybe you heard that this scopolamine was uh, quite prevalent in South America. But some good information there, and thanks for writing to me. Of course, whether Elway is actually spiking Deb with something remains to be seen. Circumstantially, obviously, he's, he's had the opportunities and I was half expecting another shit-shake to make an appearance this week when he brought food into the office. But it's interesting that there is something out there that could account for Deb's actions recently. That's not to play down her genuine PTSD, but it puts her in a more vulnerable place to be influenced by this. As for Elway himself, he would definitely stand to make a lot of money from those jewels. I'm surprised they've not been mentioned yet, so I assume that's still to come. Staying on Facebook, Bob DeGrand from the Dexter cast said, I would have liked this episode even if it were nothing more than the final minute. I have been waiting to see Dexter and Deb together on the slice of life for the entire series. I also don't think that we have ever seen Dexter as angry, stroke frustrated, stroke disappointed as he was in the opening therapy scene. It seems like there are no villains left at this point. Things are going way too smoothly for Dexter, so I assume that there are some nasty surprises just around the bend. I agree with you, Bob. I'm sure the feel-good family mood will not last. (laughs) Something is around the bend to cause problems, definitely. We're not even halfway through the season. Still with Facebook, David Campion said, I thought Dexter was going to clothesline them both off the boat at the end. Would have been a real heel turn. (laughs) I laughed out loud when I read this comment. Loved it. A wrestling reference for those who didn't get it. I used to watch WWE with some regularity for uh, a few years, um, or before I had kids and had the time to watch two or three hours of wrestling each week. I I pictured when I read your comment, David. I pictured Dexter giving a roar and going all Undertaker on those women, sending them overboard with a double clothesline. Brilliant.
1: Did you kill all these people? I did.
3: You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. Are
0: you? Are you a serial killer? Yes.
3: Hey Gareth, this is Travis. It's good to have you back in the host seat. Today I want to talk a little bit about episode 5 of season 8 of Dexter, This Little Piggy. And you know what, man? I was a little underwhelmed by this episode. I don't, uh, I can't. I don't get it. I can't exactly articulate why. That makes for very poor feedback. But I just was a little bit. I guess I'm getting too caught up on little details and stuff. I mean, I will say out front. I mean, the ending was kind of cool. I guess. I'm not sure. I, I'm totally buying it. But the Dexter and Deb and Vogel all out on the boat, and I don't know. It was it was cool. I guess a lot of people were looking, kind of looking for that moment. They're really excited to see Dex and Deb working together again. I'm getting caught up on little details. I'm just still thinking about that car crash last week. Like, is there no repercussions to that? I know that wasn't Dexter's car. That was some car he took from the police station's motor pool. And I'm thinking, no one got in trouble for that? Dexter is not going to have to pay for that because the car got crashed or there's no repercussions for that happening at all? What? What? Uh, there's the uh, there's the whole idea of vogel calling dexter on yates's cell phone and you know they have like this half hour conversation or you know the phone call lasts for a half hour and we know that the miami metro is looking for Yates at the same time also it's not hard to believe that they would at some point in the future look at look for yates's uh cell phone usage right see that that he had called dexter and now I know that, that wouldn't happen that night that'd be in the future, but this is something Dexter's not even thinking about, or and I, maybe I'm too cynical, but I don't think the show's going to address that at all or the fact that this was somebody's house that Yates was hiding out in, I know that the idea was it was temporarily vacant or something, or the family that lived there was on vacation or something but the point is, it was fully furnished it, the utilities were on so somebody was living there sometime, and Dexter's just gonna tear up that bed, and not worry about that and so i don't know he cleaned up that scene i don't know see i'm getting caught up in these little details that maybe shouldn't bother me just little things like that and everyone's so convinced that gates is the brain surgeon even dexter at the end of this episode is like well that's that you know he's dusting his hands off are, are we are we supposed to believe he's the brain surgeon is that really it even vogel believes it i refuse to believe that's it right it can't be it no i refuse but uh, in this episode, you know, we also got that little, little—I what's his name, Zach Hamilton. You know, that fucker's a killer. There ain't no doubt about that. I don't even know why they're trying to front. That dude's that, the killer. I guess that's carrying on to next week. This whole case started last week. So uh, I guess that's carrying on this week. Is this a new story arc for us? De- is this, after the brain surgeon's truly done, are we moving on to Dexter hunting this Zach Hamilton kid? I suppose my biggest gripe with the episode, and I know this is a little bit silly it's jamie freaking batista man a lot of people didn't like rita because she was too demanding of dexter or stopped him from having fun and i just feel like that's how jamie is i know in the past she's been very docile and just does whatever dexter says but this season they've given her personality and i do not like her she's always bugging quinn or batista and now she's getting in the way of our boy dex like nah that ain't flying it's just who you know who does that why does she think it's her place to set dexter up on these dates Uh, Dexter had shit to do, and she's just, you can't do that, I don't care and do that to me, but it's rude when you do it to her, like, oh, come on, woman. Uh, she even had that line, like, you haven't gone out with anybody since Hannah, you've got to go out there, I'm like, Hannah was six months ago, that's not that long, that's not, it's not as though he hasn't been dating someone for, like, three years, like, you gotta get out there, Dex, it was six months, and does she not remember, Hannah was a murderer and tried to kill Deb, don't bring Hannah up like... Dexter, that was the last time you were in love. You have to go with the new person. Like, that's just weird, right? And where was Harrison anyway that whole time? Was he just left alone in his own? He has his own whole apartment to himself. Was he just alone, unsupervised there during that double date? And then Jamie says something like, Oh, Dex, if you leave, I'm going to leave. And then you're going to have to watch Harrison all by yourself. Like, bitch, who do you think you are? Dexter's a grown-ass man. He's an adult. He does what he wants when he wants, and he pays you to watch his child. How dare you threaten him like that? Does she not want a paycheck? How rude! Ugh, it's like Stephanie Tanner from from uh, Full House. How rude! Yeah, we yeah, got Full House. Full House reference quota is filled for this podcast. Don't worry. And then Dexter, you know, kind of had that small little moment with Cassie there at the end where he, he was, you know, she kind of helped him get out of the date, and so he felt a little bonded with her you know you could see it in his face and he said like hey you know what let's do this some other time I don't know, I'm even thinking that's fishy like why would Dex be in love with this girl because she's willing to lie wasn't Hannah the love of his life is he really willing to settle for having to lie to another woman like Rita again someone who would never understand him why is he excited to see this woman maybe I'm reading too much into this I don't know I told you this ain't got to me something stung me about this episode man I think I got unresolved women issues or something man it's not healthy this show's breaking me down anyway let's let's hope next week treats me right thanks
0: very much Travis and thanks once again for covering last week you make a fair point about the car from last episode it was a pull car wasn't it there'd have been some fallout from that how would Dexter explain it and why wasn't it referenced in passing in the department in this episode a little, how you feeling from Batista, or maybe a, a jibe from Quinn about Dexter's erratic driving. There's nothing wrong with questioning details that are left unaddressed, so you know, don't, don't pull yourself down for it. The house Yates took over. There would be evidence all over the place, but of course Dexter is the expert tidy-upper, and he'd have gone round and wiped the place clean, at least as best he could. And the showrunners before have said that we know Dexter's good at cleaning up after himself, so we don't need to see that every time. The house owners, when they returned, would have no reason to suspect anyone had been there, so wouldn't raise any alarms, so there's not likely to be a full forensic sweep. So Dexter wouldn't have to do a perfect tidy up, just wipe the blood really. But Travis, I know what you're going to say. But, G Sput, what about the busted front door and fucking big hole in the mattress? And to that, I say, hmm, (laughs) yes, fair point. I can't really explain those. Do forgive my impression. (laughs) Probably sounded more East Coast. That's watching Boardwalk Empire for you. But I'm glad we're on the same page about the brain surgeon. Makes Dexter and Vogel look sloppy to just buy into Yates being the one. I really hope this isn't it with that plot, though. If it is, I'll be the first one to rip it to shreds when we wrap up the season. As for the Hamilton kid, I wonder if there's not meant to be a big mystery to us as viewers about the boy. The plotline is more just to follow Quinn's investigation, as I described it in the review, a vehicle... And just see if he solves it and becomes sergeant, or if Matthew's had his way, Miller becomes sergeant, regardless of whether Quinn gets his guy. Now, Jamie (laughs) Batista, you raise good points. The line between employee and employer has definitely blurred. And you're right that she crossed the line when she flew into his bedroom after he'd shut the door She'd come in without knocking or anything, and there was a a priceless but brief expression on his face when she did. And she read in the riot act, calling calling the shots, bringing him to order. It's not unfair at all to say, who do you think you are? And your comment about Dexter saying to Cassie, let's do this another time, I don't know how serious he was about that, or whether he was just placating her (laughs) because she was prepared to go to bat for him you know, make sure she does a good job of giving him an out. Remember, he is the master manipulator. But, interestingly, (laughs) your character assassination coincides with Amy Garcia appearing on the Wrap-Up podcast this week. And she gives a lot of insight into how she sees and how she plays Jamie. Among her points was that Amy said she sees Jamie as the closest thing Dexter has to a wife. Now... Whether that's right or reasonable for Jamie to think of herself in that way, I'm not so sure. Although you could argue she sort of fills that position in the household. It's also reasonable to admit that they've known each other a little while now. Jamie is very fond of both Harrison and Dexter. And their relationship will have moved up, moved along from being a straight employer-employee one. When you spend so much time in someone's private space, it's inevitable after a time, isn't it, to become more familiar? So perhaps she presumes too much. Yeah, maybe she does. But as long as Dexter lets her, then maybe that tells us he's quite fond of her too, so he tolerates it. Maybe the Rita effect is coming into play here, like you said Travis, that Jamie is threatening to get in the way of our boy Dex doing his thing, and that immediately puts her at odds with a lot of viewers. Amy Garcia also pointed out that Jamie's view of Dexter is perhaps different to most other characters, and that her view is closer to the innocent, untainted one of most characters in Season 1. Dexter's the socially awkward lab geek. He's good looking and can be charming, but would rather sit in the corner than get involved in social situations. And as a result of this, she just treats him as a normal human being. She's not onto him. She's got no suspic- suspicions about him. She obviously just buys his excuses when he goes out late at night <laughs> for work. She doesn't treat him with kid gloves or anything. That's not to say the way she's treating Dexter won't be annoying to us as viewers. I mean, she's obviously rattled your cage, Travis, but I do give the writers a little credit for trying to develop her character rather than just leave her as a two-dimensional, the put-upon mug who'll drive across state for Dex at the drop of a hat. And should we be surprised that she's got a bit of Latina fire? Jamie's Latin American after all, so that would be true to her roots. I don't know, (laughs) I'm not disagreeing with you, she just hasn't annoyed me as much, although I did think she was pushing the boundaries this week. Thanks again, Travis. On to an email from Jerry Hopper, who says, Is it just me, or did this episode feel like a season finale, without the cliffhanger? To me, it was just a little weird. Everything that has happened in season 8 up until now was wrapped up all neat and tidy. The brain surgeon is caught, I guess. They never really clarified that point. Deb and Dexter have made up and they both seem to be OK with Vogel again. Oh, excuse me. Pardon me. Sorry about that. I've just been to McDonald's and had a, had a Coke. <laughs> it, sorry. Jerry says, it left me very confused about where this season is going. I am curious, of course, about the weird son of the rich guy, but it just felt like all of the tension that has been ratcheting up the last few episodes disappeared. I would much prefer a final season with a long, tension-filled arc. It looks like it's just not in the cards, though. I thought with this final season that we, w- that we would be done with these mini-stories within a season. Perhaps the writers will surprise me and pull everything back together. I hope so. There were some great moments in this episode, though. Dexter's face when he told Deb how fucking happy he was for her and that she was feeling better now. I love angry Dexter and Dexter's face when Jamie walked into his bedroom without knocking to insist he stay for dinner. I love the interaction between Dexter and Cassie. He seems very comfortable with her. And, of course, Dexter, Vogel and Deb on the boat was heartwarming and weird. That's all for now. I hope next week's episode brings some big surprises and maybe some glimpse of how this may all play out. Thanks again for the podcast. Thanks for your email, Jerry. I get what you mean about a season finale at least to a to an extent although certainly not a series finale however you already know my thoughts about the brain surgeon and whether it's Yates or not it does leave us at a point with seven episodes still to go as to where we go from here we've got Quinn and Masuka's side plots still unresolved but things seem to have reached a point of semi-stability with Dex, Deb and Vogel that said We are all curious to know what happens to this triangle next. And I wonder if there's a spanner in the works from the real brain surgeon next week. Maybe a message of, I'm still here. (laughs) I'm sure the tension will ratchet up again. So don't worry about that, Jerry. But I do think that although TV episodes do need to stand up individually on their own, this season will make much more sense when we view it as a whole. I've talked in the past about TV seasons coming in three acts. I wonder if we've just got to the end of the first act. That's why you got that feel of a season finale. OK, it happened after five episodes rather than four, but this is the season when all bets are off. Stick with it, Jerry. Trust the show. <laughs> Another email now, this time from Mike Lanich, who says... Is it just me, or does Elway's continued lack of overall screen time and seemingly having little to do other than fawn over Deb make you wonder what's up with casting such an excellent actor such as Sean Patrick Flannery in what appears to be a throwaway role? Well, I remember back in episode two when El Sapo was murdered by Deb, that it was kind of odd that we never actually saw her shoot El Sapo, and I have a couple of theories on what I think may be a twist to make Elway's character a bit more interesting. Either the missing jewels just happened to disappear or they were taken, but by who? My theory is that Elway followed Deb to the storage unit and either A. Killed El Sapo himself and took the jewels, or B. Took the jewels after Deb left. But the odd thing is that some things have almost no explanation regarding El Sapo's murder. Who exactly murdered him and where the jewels went are hazy. Deb seemed coherent during her beatdown, but El Sapo's murder is fragmented in her mind. Did she suffer a concussion? I think Elway has the jewels. I think he either got there just in time to see Deb shoot El Sapo, or he had a part in it himself. Something about those few minutes this season seem awfully vague, more than they have a right to be. If Deb was the killer, then showing her walking up and aiming a gun would not have made the PTSD flashbacks, supposedly recalling, shooting, recalling the shooting any less effective. All we saw was a gun barrel, cutscene. Anyone could have been aiming that gun, and it makes the whole question of where Deb found a gun when it was in El Sapo's car moot, if, in her woozy, concussed state, she thinks she killed El Sapo, but was nearby and not the shooter. I just think we're going to find out there is a twist here. Maybe those shit shakes Elway keeps feeding her are dosed with roofies or something. Thanks, Mike. You know, I've probably mentioned this on the podcast once before about the law of character economics, I can't remember who coined this theory where I first heard it. It might have been Roger Ebert, actually. That when a recognised actor pops up in a supporting role, a seemingly minor role, watch them closely. They're not just there to make up the numbers. And in thrillers, they'll often turn out to be the killer or do a double-cross or something. So with this in mind, Elway has to turn sour at some point. Having the jewels would seem to be the obvious possibility, and if that's the case, then he probably killed El Sapo too. I think your theory is a good one, that Elway followed Deb to the lock-up. Who knows, maybe if Sapo hadn't shown up, Elway would have just followed Deb, killed her, and taken the jewels for himself. Those (laughs) shit-shakes must have something to do with it, so maybe Michael Prieshoff uh, and his theory earlier will link with yours and provide the answer. A voicemail now from Sandra in
1: Germany. Hello, Gareth. What the hell you been? I hope you had a great week off. Travis did a splendid job last week. When will you sing for us? This episode is all about family issues, of course, Deb and Dax, Dex and Mother Bird, Dexter and Harrison, also Masuka and his daughter. I think for the first time in this series, he had some serious lines. The brain surgeon has some mother issues, and then there is Dexter's look-and-walk-alike, Hamilton Jr. and his father. It seems a safe guess that he killed his father's affair. The opening scene was almost like watching kids that are made to apologize to each other. Hald did the hurt and angry Dexter very well. But why is he concerned about who takes care of Harrison? Jamie, as always who's cooking again this episode but she didn't lick the spoon the kidnapping of vogel brings deb and dexter back together their talk at yates house was eerily intimate when he tells her i don't hate you i was expecting him to say i love you it was written on his face they can't get back to normal but where are they headed Love is in the air. The easy solution to find Yates, his work logs, stolen from the crime scene. That bothered me. I think there the writers opted for an easy way out. Frankenberg has an unusual method of therapy, shown to us with Yates. She acted directly opposite to what he was expecting. It was fucking awesome to see Deb and X working together. And Dexter had the kill of the week. When Deb's feet were at stake he acted up pun intended. This was a really great kill. This time he disposes of the body in one piece, joined by his sister and mother bird. Killer family. What do we what can we expect from the next episode of Dexter I think there we will see more family therapy maybe more combined working efforts from Deborah and Dexter and I think we'll get some um, insights into Hamilton Jr's motives of killing I think he he looks so much like Dexter the way he was dressed the way he he walked. Billy was like Dexter from season one so we'll see what they will do with this character okay bye bye and looking forward to you singing Gareth
0: ha ha very funny Sandra I'm not sure I can manage to come up with a full-blown song like Travis but I do feel I should bow out on the podcast with something although of course the podcast will live on beyond season eight Beyond September, because uh, uh, you'll know I still have seasons three and four to rewatch. But there will be a goodbye of sorts after season eight, because I know most of the listenership tune in just for these shows covering the new seasons rather than the rewatches, and that's fair enough. So I'm sure I'll be saying goodbye to a good number of you in September. Good comments you make about Deb and Dex at Yates' house when he said, I don't hate you. I thought exactly the same as you, actually that Dexter was thinking, I love you, and it was written on his face, although he didn't say it out loud. You ask where their relationship is headed, and even quoted, love is in the air. There you go, bit of singing for you. (laughs) Uh, And when he mentioned it, though, it made my toes curl because you know what I think about that. I still won't entertain the notion that they'll ever get romantically involved. Dexter emphasised the family point in the final scene, and that just underlined for me that he doesn't look at Deb in any romantic way I'm sure of it now Jerry Hopper's email a minute ago provided some minor rumblings of discontent about the season and although she's still on board she's not the only one to be uneasy Tom in Poland emailed to say so I've been asking myself what is my problem with this season for me it's been merely okay each episode is pleasant but I'm almost not hooked into it at all. I don't know, maybe the show overall grew too old for me. Now, on to the show itself. There is definitely something big big coming, now that Yates was killed so early. Also, nice to see Dexter finally reconcile with Deborah, in a way. Hating Quinn, of course, as always. Douchebag, should have died a long time ago. Not liking the Masuka story arc very much. Other than that, not much to say. Thanks, Tom, but, you know... I can see where you're coming from with your doubts about the season. There has definitely been good acting this season, some good character development for Deb, some good dialogue, and they've done a good job establishing Vogel. But it's clear this season, like last season to an extent, that we're not following the same old Dexter formula at all. The game changer was Deb's discovery at the end of six, and the show's never been the same since. But then again, it did have to change. Remember Season 6, prior to that moment in the church, we were all questioning the quality of the show to varying degrees, some a lot more outspoken than others. And we've talked about the show spinning its wheels during that time. It's true, but some listeners even jumped off the show completely during Season 6. But I can understand you, Tom, when you say you're not hooked into it. For me, there have been sequences where I've been hooked, but the overall tone of the season has not been one of high tension so far. Honestly, I do trust the writers. They're not going to want to screw the pooch in the final season. They've got plans for us, I just know it. They have to. (laughs) But Tom certainly is not alone in feeling down on things. On Twitter, at Zachary told me that the Dexter message board on imdb.com is riddled with people giving up all hopes on the show's final season turning out great. To that, I say everyone is, of course, entitled to their opinion and it's their right to worry about the rest of the season. We all want it to be awesome and I'm sure there's plenty to come that will have us gasping and cheering and crying. If anyone jumps off the train now, then that's up to them. I'm here for the long haul, like most of you, and if the ending of the show stinks like oh, like my cat's litter box this morning, <laughs> then I'll be there with you, looking at why and sharing the disappointment. But let's see what pans out.
2: Hey, Gareth. Uh, it's Ken from Pittsburgh. Uh, I haven't called in since the first of a season eight, and um, I guess it's just because, you know, I look at my show notes, uh, you know, like every Monday Tuesday, I look at, you know, what I think about the last episode, and... You know, like, every week so far is going kind to of written down, like, this has been great, this has been great, and nothing was really bad. So I just really don't feel compelled to call in and say, like, this episode actually was great. Um, but, you know, I, I thought I'd check this week, if only because uh, this felt like a huge, a huge turning point. Um, I thought at the end of last week that that was going to be the turning point. Uh, then they played the whole switcheroo and Deb drove their car into the water. And, uh, you know, this episode So that, they just got right into the episode starts. Deb and Dexter are fighting this out. Uh, just great. I I don't know that I've ever really, you know, we haven't had, I don't think, that many episodes of Dexter where we get left off kind on of a cliffhanger, you know, from the last episode and get right into action right from the beginning. Uh, at least I don't remember that happening uh, very often, but, wow. Um, I mean, you know, besides from like, character movements, you know, of course we saw, you know, Dev stand next to Dexter during the kill, right? as untraditional as it is, but we saw, you know, Dev be cool with Dexter, you know, killing this guy and then getting rid of the body. It was a big episode for movements, uh, you know, character development, etc., but... How funny was the, um, it was barely, you know, it wasn't a true, like, dinner scene. It was just, like, Quinn, Jamie, um, Dexter, and neighbor person who has the hots for Dexter. I mean, that was perfect. The way that she took the bow for Dexter saying, hey, I have to go home. And Dexter just swooped in there like, oh, hey, I have to go home too. Like, uh, I was watching the episode with my friends. We all lost it. Like, that was... Uh, an incredible just moment of funny Dexter. Um, man. Uh, I know, it, I have to admit, I was confused about why Quinn was there. I had, you know, as much as they shoved it down our throats last year, episode, I completely forgot that Quinn and Jamie were saying, <laughs> when, you because know, Dexter walks into his apartment, it's supposed to be like, oh no, they threw the dinner party, Quinn is there with Jamie. But I was like, why is Quinn there? I was just, huh. Uh, I don't know things are looking real good uh, for Season 8, really kind of erasing any bad feelings I had about Dexter from Seasons like, you know, like minute things from Seasons 3 to 6, like Season 8's Magnificence is just kind of erasing all of that. Um, and now I'm just like, you know, now that it seems like Dev and Dexter are past, I guess what's going to be the big holdup here is, I mean, I guess whatever Vogel brings to the table in terms of, like, plot development, and I guess this case with, like, this rich boy kid who's killing people, that seems to be important. Like, whether or not Dexter is going to help Quinn with this case, that seems like a a big pot point. But I'm sure some other people are going to throw out some ideas of where the season goes from here. But, yeah, I just wanted to check in with you, Gareth, because it's been a while. I, you know, stopped calling from season one, episode one. But I hope you're enjoying it, man. It's, uh great, and this is a you know a great last season of Dexter, and um, I don't know, I, I'm starting to get sad feels about knowing that Dexter's going to end, and I know, dissecting Dexter won't end, but we won't have any more Dexter to watch soon. I don't know, it's a little bit sad. Anyways, call you next week, Eric. Bye.
0: Thanks again, Ken. Good to hear from you again. Moving on, Matt in Dublin who says he's a long-time listener, first-time contributor and he, mail, he emails in with uh, what he describes as, um, well, what he apologises is a long email but no apologies necessary, Matt. I always enjoy reading everybody's thoughts. He says, firstly, I'd like to extend my sympathies after hearing you'd possibly been spoiled by a rogue email. I must admit it's amazing it hasn't happened before, knowing the way some people can be. No intention to generalise the listeners. But I hope for your sake that perhaps it was a fake leak in the same way that the false episode titles have been leaked as Travis mentioned on the preview podcast. Wishful thinking may be. Anyway, on to the episode. We arrive at what would look to an outsider like a regular sibling dispute. Dex and Deb sitting beside each other, avoiding eye contact, as a mother figure sits and tries to reconcile the argument the siblings have had. Dex is genuinely pissed off for the first time I think we've seen, having trouble processing that his own sister would try to kill him. His anger isn't in the regular short burst like it sometimes is, but it lasts the duration of the opening scene. I enjoyed his parting shots at Vogel. The tables have turned from the opening episodes as now it's Deb who can't get through to Dex to talk about their issues until she meets him after she finds Vogel's empty house. Again, we hear make-your-own-kind-of-music, but this time it's Vogel playing it, further tying her to the brain surgeon. Now, Matt goes on to join me in the idea that Yates isn't the brain surgeon and cites some of the same evidence I've mentioned. He then talks about Vogel. He says, the entire episode in the house that... Yates takes Vogel to, provides us with some of the most memorable scenes ever to grace the show, and we've had a few. Charlotte Rampling, what else can we say about her? An incredibly intense and dark performance, showing fear and panic, and then a sudden burst of authority and power. Brilliant stuff. We finally get a scene that certainly I've been waiting for for a very long time as Dex and Deb storm the house together. Brilliant tension throughout the scene, especially as Yates eyes Deb's ankles. We get a grand finale to the scene with what I think is one of the most badass kills we've seen. I was with you, Gareth, cheering as Dex drove the pole through the mattress. We then get a feel-good ending to the episode, as the estranged family sit on the slice of life together. I do have a very small issue with Dexter being so forgiving to Evelyn. You are out of my life Vogel, so quickly. But I can let it pass. Personally, I get the feeling that this positive outlook Dex now has on life will only make his final fall greater. Although I hope I'm wrong. As for the rest of the episode, honestly, I don't think I would be invested in the other storylines as much if this weren't the final season. The only reason I can still be interested in the Masuka storyline, for example, is that I know that it must tie in with the endgame somehow. Mustn't it? My dad watches the show with me and he often does his best to imitate that devilish chuckle, so I would love Masuka being involved on some level with the ending of Dex and Deb's story. The Quinn storyline looks much more likely to intertwine with Dexter's now, as Quinn is eager to prove himself. Maybe he'll turn to Dex for help on the maid murder case, driven to solve it despite Matthew's politics lesson. Speaking of which, did that son remind anyone else of Jeremy Downs, the boy Dexter spared and then ultimately killed in season one? I think that this boy will take most of Dexter's attention for a while, at least until he realises that Yates wasn't the brain surgeon. As for possible suspects, I still think Vogel is consciously involved with the killer, possibly persuading men like Sussman to do her dirty work for her. Why else would she just happen to put on the theme song of Sussman's killer? Perhaps she leads some sort of serial killer dynasty, and this is their theme song. Unlikely. But she doesn't have an obvious reason for doing so. Side note, I watch Deb's attempted confession scene again, and Dexter doesn't seem to acknowledge the written confession. He asks, asks Vogel to hold the needle as he picks Deb up, and she quickly stuffs the confession into her coat. Easily could be used as leverage later on, but could just as easily be discarded by the writers. We must wait and see. Elway would be number two on my suspect list. All those tonics are very suspicious, though we haven't seen them for a little while, I suppose. But he seems a little too attached to Deb. At this point, who knows? It could be Masuka's daughter or Cassie from downstairs at this rate. Finally, just wanted to say that I'm loving the season so far, especially now that they've upped the pace. Long may it continue. Thanks, Matt. Great first email. Let me respond to your comments about Vogel first. I totally agree with Rampling's performance this week. Great work. Now, was Dexter too quick to forgive Vogel? Possibly. But I think he's seen where she's helped Deb and brought the two of them back together and he's realised the value of family and how much he needs it. You can say it's a step forward on his character journey that we've followed since the beginning. And you may be right that the writers are setting Dexter on a path to happiness only to make his final fall all the more tragic. Good call about Vogel and that song. I was reading into the lyrics earlier on, but you're right... It could also suggest that she's consciously tied to the brain surgeon somehow. It was that same song that played in the Sussman scene before. We shall see. And you're absolutely right about Vogel in episode three with the written confession. I watched it yet again. (laughs) My mistake. Dexter does hand her the syringe and says, hold this. She takes it and then quickly picks up the confession. So she has got that. Could have been quick thinking thinking to protect Deb, or could have been quick thinking to bag some potential leverage for later on. Makes me wonder if she will end up on the table in the finale, Deb and X having to take her down to protect themselves. And that's it for the feedback this week. Thanks very much, everybody, who's contacted me. If you wish to contact me, you are, of course, always welcome. <laughs> the listener lines in the US, the number is 646-222-6122. And in the UK, it's 0844 579 6949. And with the UK line, you enter mailbox 08320 when the voice prompts you. There's also email, dissectingdexter at gmail.com, where you can also send an MP3, voice recording, audio file. Uh, But please no on set photos. (laughs) Um, And you'll be very welcome. There's also Twitter. At Dissect Dexter, or my personal Twitter, which is at Gareth underscore UK, and the Facebook page. Go onto Facebook, search for Dissecting Dexter, and you'll find it. This is
1: the Dissecting Dexter podcast. It helps me control the chaos.
0: Okay, cue crap edit point. <laughs> I'm now back at home and I'm just sitting down to edit uh, this podcast together. And I I thought, oh, just check to see if if there's any more last-minute emails that have come in uh, just before I sort of lock in the episode for uploading. Um, And blow me if there aren't two emails that have come in. <laughs> <So>, um <clears throat> Seeing as we unfortunately had to miss out a couple of people last week due to my cock up with the mail forwarding, I thought I'd better include these guys. Um, although one is a girl, uh, it's Danielle from Australia who's emailed him and she says, Hi Gareth, this is my first email of the season. It has been a mission catching up. I've been on I've been on holiday overseas with my family, so I missed the first four episodes and podcasts. Coincidentally, we spent some time in Ambleside in the Lake District. Such a beautiful part of the world. Our second time there and won't be the last. That's interesting, Danielle, because I was probably just a few miles, as the crow flies, a few miles from Ambleside last week. Now, I don't know when you came back to Australia, uh, whether we coincided within a few miles of each other. <laughs> um, I've not actually met any of my listeners, but... It <laughs> um, I know other podcasts sometimes set up a uh, a meetup um, of, of listeners and, and podcast hosts. Although me being in the UK, it's somewhat limited. I know there are uh, quite a lot of uh, British listeners, um, so maybe we could set something up at, at some point. I, I don't know; it's tricky with family and all that. But um, yeah, nice to wonder. Anyway, Danielle goes on to say, I'm loving the season so far and just enjoying the ride. One thing's for sure, I don't want a bad ending for Dexter. We all know he's a serial killer and all the bad shit that goes with it, but would we watch the show if we didn't actually like Dexter? The writers seem to be guiding us to think that Dexter and Deb are inextricably intertwined. Whatever's in store for the end, it seems they will be together, as one cannot survive without the other. Vogel sure is a hard one to figure out, which makes her such an intriguing character. I'm always wondering what her true motive might be. Sometimes I think she's trying to undermine Dexter, attempting to remove his hard-fought for humanity, because she sees him only as a psychopath and struggles to see how he can have feelings for other people. But why would she do this? She's a scientist, a researcher and a doctor. The best way for her to research and understand her subject is to be personally involved. She has done this by embedding herself into Dexter's life. What mischief will she get up to next? There is no doubt she is a manipulator extraordinaire. Look at how she turned the tables to avoid injury to her own little piggy. On a different note, Quinn is still very much in love with Deborah. I doubt he would help her the way he has, just because he is her friend. Thanks very much, Danielle. Some good thoughts there. Vogel is a hard one to figure out. And I think officially the the jury is still out as to whether she's 100% genuine or not. You're right that she's spent her life researching psychopaths and trying to work with psychopaths. And here she's found one that doesn't fit the mould. And we've seen her intrigue, her curiosity piqued by Dexter clearly not fitting what she perceived to be the classic template of what a psychopath, what a monster should be. And he doesn't fit with that. And you're right, what better way to um, research this person more than embed yourself into into their life. So through what she's done and how she's played it so far, you could view her with even more suspicion. I think she does have good manipulation skills, and certainly played uh, Yates this week uh, using her skills as a psychiatrist, if that's the right word? That's not the right word, is it? But you know what I mean, using her skills there as a sort of psychoanalyst and um, using her pre-existing knowledge of Yates's upbringing. And she was very cool and quick to think of that. And she was very smart and, and turned the tables a bit there to buy herself some time. And what struck me most this week was how completely unfazed she was by Yates being uh, impaled on a curtain pole, like it's the sort of thing you see every day, and it's Phew, yeah, whatever. <laughs> there was none of that. <laughs> oh well, there we go. So um, yeah, there's definitely more to her. And my my feeling now, my prediction now is that I think her chances of ending up on the kill table have increased by the end of the for, for her to be on the kill table by the end of the season. Thanks, Danielle. The other email that came in, under the wire, was from Hampus in Sweden, who says, The only thing I have to complain about this week is that they rushed the Dexter-Deb story a bit. Last week, Deb tried to kill him. Now ten minutes into this episode and they're running around as killing buddies. This storyline lacked a little bit of finesse when it was time to wrap it up. But hey, Deb seems to be back, which is great. Is it a little bit too good right now, in the Morgan family, all of a sudden? My gut feeling is telling me something's going to happen to Deb soon kidnapped or something. Just a feeling. Elway. This guy's bad news. No character on Dexter can be this normal without me becoming suspicious. I'm pretty sure he shot El Sapo. Deb's memory is letting her down. Maybe Deb will figure this out and get into trouble with Elway. Maybe he becomes a real nemesis to Dexter by kidnapping Deb. Wow, that was thin ice. I'm just speculating. Overall, a good episode, I think. Felt like Dexter in the good old days. Thanks, Hampus. It's funny what, what's, what a variety of opinions on this season I'm getting. Uh, from one end of the spectrum with people absolutely loving it, through people uh, loving it a little bit, to the indifferent, to the slightly perturbed, to people who, uh, as... Um, Zachary on Twitter said there are people uh, completely disappointed so far. You can fairly say that the Dexter-Deb reconciliation was perhaps a little bit rushed. I don't know if that was the case because because of what else they have in store this season and then needed to kind of push that along. I don't know. I hope not. I hope it was organic because this was a big thing. Their arc over the last season and a bit since Deb discovered it was the big thing, it was the big story arc of the show. And with Deb's fallout from killing LaGuerta, that was a massive thing for her and her character. The whole downfall and eventual road uh, or starting on that road to recovery had to feel organic. And I I, I don't know whether I whether I agree that it was entirely rushed. She hit rock bottom, didn't she? And she's made that first step on the road. She's accepted that she's going to choose Dexter every time that he needs her in his life. Um, and credit to Vogel for helping her realise that. And as so often happens, people have to hit rock bottom to be able to appreciate what they have and to find that renewed desire to come out of it to, to get better so i think it's fair to say that she's not there yet but she has taken those first steps on the road to recovery and i'm sure we all hope that she's now on that road to recovery well she is on that road to recovery we hope that she's going to make steady progress And that's it for another episode. Next week's episode 6 we'll see the halfway point of this final season and I dare say it'll be all downhill from there. I've already pretty much summed up how I feel about the season so far. I'm definitely enjoying it. And as I say, it is with... I do occasionally get these pangs of sadness when I think about the show ending and think about possible endings, uh, possibilities of... Um, one of our two major characters not making it through the finale and how I'd feel about that and, um, yeah, it makes me sad and it, it may be that when I podcast about the finale it, it will be a, um, a very sad occasion as, you know, as I am a, a very big fan of this show and, and, and someone who's invested so much in the show so much of my time and and energy into this TV show Uh, yeah it's going to be tough but you know we've still got weeks from then and jeez I've got my 40th birthday before then I'll probably talk about that nearer the time because no doubt I'll be in the doldrums and in some kind of PTSD of my own so (laughs) I'll need your help guys September the 10th that's my birthday so (laughs) mark it in your calendars and you know, I could do with some uh, <laughs> some big ups at the time to lift me, lift my spirit. <laughs> but that's still, what, six weeks away. Um, right, that's it. I'm going to get going. Thanks very much for your support, for your feedback. Brilliant stuff. I do appreciate it, as you know. And uh, take care. Thanks very much for listening. And until we dissect some more Dexter together next week, it's bye for now. Cheers, guys. <laughs>